Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Cultivating a lifestyle of generosity will transform every aspect of your life, marriage, family, relationship, and your finances. Join Michael Montoya from Jesus for Life Ministries as he reveals the truth to experiencing God's abundance and grace every day. Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Today our study is Jesus said, My grace is sufficient. So turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8. Does everybody have their Bibles turned there? This Bible study is a more accurate description of the life of Paul as a servant of Christ. It has its moments of deep humiliation, such as the event at Damascus. Then it has its mountaintop experiences, such as Paul's exhilarating revelation. But normally, after a servant of God has enjoyed one of these experiences, the Lord allows him to suffer some thorn in the flesh. That is, we have here, we learn many priceless lessons from this verse. First, it is proof that even divine revelations of the Lord do not correct the flesh in us. Even after the apostle had listened to the language of paradise, he still had old nature and was in the danger of falling into the same snare of pride. A man of Christ is safe in the presence of God as he listens to the untranslatable things spoken in paradise, but he needs a thorn in the flesh upon his return to earth, for the flesh in him would boast of his paradise experience. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? All we can say for sure is that it was some bodily trial which God allowed to come into his life. No doubt the Lord purposely failed to specify exactly what the thorn was so that tried and tested saints down through the years might feel a closer kinship with the apostle as they suffer. Perhaps it was some sort of eye disease, perhaps an earache, perhaps even malaria or even perhaps a migraine headache. Perhaps something connected with Paul's speech. The precise nature of it has been concealed. Perhaps that all afflicted ones may be encouraged and helped by Paul's unnamed yet painful experience. Our trials may be very different from Paul's, but they should produce the same exercise and fruits. The apostle describes the thorn in his flesh as a messenger of Satan to buffet him. In one sense, it represents an effort on Satan's part to hinder Paul in the work of the Lord. But God is greater than Satan, and he used a thorn to further the work of the Lord by keeping Paul humble. Successful service for Christ depends on a weak servant. The weaker he is, the more power of Christ accompanies his preaching. Let's look at chapter 12, verses 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away it from me. Three times Paul pleaded with the Lord that the thorn of his flesh might depart from him. Let's look at 12.9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Paul's prayer was answered, but not in the way that he hoped. In effect, God said to Paul, I will not remove the thorn, but I will do something better. I will give you grace to bear it. And just remember, Paul, that although I have not given you what you asked for, yes, I am giving you what you need most deeply. You want my power and strength to accompany your preaching, don't you? 
Well, the best way to have that happen is for you to be kept in a place of weakness. This was God's repeated answer to Paul's thrice repeated prayer. And it continues to be God's answer to suffering people throughout the world. Better than the removal of trials and sufferings in the companionship of the Son of God in them and the assurance of His strength and enabling grace. Notice that God says, My grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to ask Him to make grace sufficient. It already is. The apostle is completely satisfied with the Lord's answer. So he says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When the Lord explains the wisdom of his actions, Paul said in effect, that was the only way that he would want to be. So instead of complaining and grumbling about the thorn, he would rather boast in his infirmities. He would get down on his knees and thank the Lord for them. He would rather endure them if only the power of Christ may rest upon him. But Paul radiantly testifies, what can't be cured can be enjoyed. I enjoy weakness, suffering, privation, and difficulties. So wonderful did he prove God's grace to be that he even welcomed flesh occasions of drawing upon its fullness. I gladly glory. I even enjoy my thorn. Let's look at chapter 12, verses 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Naturally speaking, it is quite impossible for us to take pleasure in the type of experience listed here. But the key to the understanding of the verse is found in the expression, for Christ's sake. We should be willing to endure in his cause and in the furtherness of his gospel things which we would not normally endure for ourselves or for the sake of some loved one. It is when we are conscious of our own weakness and nonetheless, then we must depend on the power of God. And it is when we are thus casted on him in complete dependence that his power is manifested to us and we are truly strong. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. In this verse, Paul is obeying the word of the Lord in Matthew. Let's read it. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecute the prophets who were before you. He is rejoicing when men reviled and persecuted him. So loving is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to finish by giving everyone a chance to know Jesus better. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Prayer salvation is our first real conversation with God. The prayer salvation is the most important prayer you'll ever pray. When you're ready to become a Christian, you're ready to have our first real conversation with God. And these are the components. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God and that He came to the earth as a man in order to live the sinful life that we could not live. That He died in our place so that we would not have to pay the penalty we deserve. We confess our past life of sin, living for ourselves and not obeying God. We admit that we are ready to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We ask Jesus to come into our heart, take up residence there, and begin living through us. It begins with faith in God. 
When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're letting God know we believe that His Word is true. By the faith that He has given us, we choose to believe in Him. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 So when we pray, asking God for the gift of salvation, we're exercising our free will to acknowledge that we believe in Him. That demonstration of faith pleases God because we have freely chosen to know Him. We are confessing our sin. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're admitting that we've sinned. As the Bible says of everyone, saved through Christ alone, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. To sin is simply falling short of the mark, as an arrow that does not quite hit the bullseye. The glory of God that we fell short of is found only in Jesus Christ. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.6 So the prayer of salvation then recognizes that Jesus Christ is the only human who ever lived without sin. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 what we are doing is we are professing faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. With Christ as our standard of perfection, we're now acknowledging Him as God. Agreeing with the Apostle John that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 because God could only accept a sinless sacrifice because He knew that we could not possibly accomplish that. He sent His Son to die for us and pay the eternal price. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Listen, if you want to say it today and mean it with your heart, don't wait a moment longer to start your new life with Jesus Christ. Remember, this prayer is not a magical formula. You are simply expressing your heart to God. And if you'd like to do that, pray this prayer with me. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry and I now want to turn away from my past sinful life towards you. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayers today. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So now you've prayed this and you're probably thinking, I prayed it, now what happens? If you prayed this prayer of salvation with true conviction in your heart, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a fact. Whether or not you feel any different, you are. Some religious systems may lead you to believe that you might feel something like a warm glow, a tingling, or some mystical experience. In fact, you might and you might not. If you have prayed the prayer of salvation and you meant it, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that your eternal salvation is secure. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10.9. So welcome to the family of God. We encourage you to find a local Bible-based church where you can fellowship with other believers and grow in the knowledge of God through His Word, the Bible. 
This ministry is listener supported. If you feel that you have benefited from this message from God, please consider helping to support this ministry and give a gift of any amount so we can continue to spread the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit on this platform. Go to JesusIsTheVoiceOfTruth.com and may the Lord richly bless you, your family, and friends. Until next time, God bless. And remember, Jesus is the voice of truth. I hope you enjoyed today's program. If you have any prayer requests or questions about Jesus is the voice of truth, we encourage you to email us at voiceoftruth411 at gmail.com or visit our website at jesusisthevoiceoftruth.com. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. Have a blessed day.